Welcome to Love After Lullabies, the podcast where we discuss the joys and challenges of parenting, preserving relationship intimacy, and rekindling romance after baby arrives. I am Miranda, a licensed professional counselor in the state of Oregon who specializes in working with couples to help preserve relationship satisfaction after becoming parents. I am joined by my wonderful co-host and husband, Aaron. Hey, We've been together for over two decades, and we've experienced our own relationship morph over the years. Get ready to hear real conversations with couples who share how they've experienced parenthood while keeping that flame alive. We will also share communication and intimacy tools for you to utilize in your own relationship. Keep your chin up. Look at those stars. (laughs) Wait, I got a better one. Make sure those chairs stop squeaking. (laughs) Hello and happy October. Happy Tuesday. It's not Tuesday. Well, we're going to air this on Tuesday. okay. Mm, Yeah. Okay, so fine. It's Monday, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We just walked our kids to school and we're sitting here kind of sweating. Yeah, but it's, it's amazing out. I love this time of year. The trees look so awesome, and yesterday we did an impromptu day at the beach. Yeah. We actually didn't make it to the coast this summer, and the girls did not let us forget about that. And with the weather yesterday and Seahawks playing Monday night football, it was kind of a perfect time to go to the beach, so we did. The West Coast Beach in Oregon is amazing, and mm-hmm. the sweet spot is if it's sunny and it's like in between like 60 and 70 degrees. Or like 75 degrees is like almost too hot because it's so intense. Mm-hmm. So yesterday was just, it was it was right in that sweet spot. Yeah. It was great. So our kids collected broken shells. They have this whole pile of treasures that are just... It's trash. It's, it's trash it's, garbage shells. It's sea trash. <laughs> but they're so special. They are special. And so our, our oldest, we were like, what are you guys going to do with this stuff? And I was waiting for them to say... Put it in our room for something, and I was already cringing inside. But our oldest was like, "We'll make, we'll do an outside project." Yeah, maybe they can add to their their bug grave that they have. Yeah, which they have completely partitioned off a part of our garden and turned it into a bug cemetery. So anytime they see a bug that is dead, they will make a grave for it. So um, those shells will come in handy. It's those the little I don't even know what kind of animal they are, but the shell with the, like the long is it a muscle? I think it's like an abalone shell, right? Or does do muscle muscle shells have uh, pretty yeah. colors like that? Regardless, it'll make great headstones. <laughs> <laughs> so random. Well, today we have an awesome guest. Her name is Sarah Basio. She is a sleep consultant, and Lord knows we all need some advice on getting sleep after a new baby arrives. So we're very excited to uh, to get this out. And it, she was amazing to talk to and. A pleasure. Yeah, it was it was a great great conversation and how important is sleep to everybody and, and baby and it just it really resonates with any any new parent or any existing parent that like remembers back when that was a thing. And if you only knew back then what you know now, it would just be a game changer. So Right. And I'm sure we're gonna be utilizing a lot of her tips with the new puppy coming. So I That mean, is so true. Right. So it's very fitting that this is coming out now. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, enjoy and uh, get some sleep. Couples and sleep after new babies, like that's the biggest complaint is where do I get this magical sleep? So 
um, yeah, it's going to be really, I know that your information about how this affects relationships is going to be really helpful for a lot of people. I love that you guys do this podcast together. I'm, my husband is taking the kids to the park so we can have this oh, time. Nice. So that's why he's not here, but he fully trusts me to, you know, be as transparent as possible about our own journey and, you know, how sleep was a big part of that. So yeah. 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 Tell us more about it. Yeah. Tell us about yourself. Okay, so my name is Sarah Fazio. I am a certified sleep consultant, and I help parents who are exhausted teach their kids ages zero through seven years old how to sleep through the night and take better naps. Yeah, so it's a really big misconception in the sleep world that sleep training um, ends at six months, that like if you don't do it by six months old, it's too late, right? So um, I work with kids, you know, all the way through elementary school, which is great, and um, what brought me to my journey with sleep was my postpartum experience as a mom. So, um, what I think is the most misunderstood phrase in the entire world, in my opinion, is sleep like a baby. Oh, <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> right? And then Aaron, sorry, no, no dig at dads, but I feel like it should be sleep like a husband. Yeah. <laughs> sleep in like seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how I, I want to sleep like my husband sleeps. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think this is every mom's experience or dad's or just, you know, a birthing person experiences after birth that there you are told that there's not going to be a lot of sleep, right? That, you know, there's you're going to be up feeding and you're like, yeah, I can do that. You know, I, I, I got it. And you don't realize that it's there's just a lot that goes into the waking up and the feeding and you're not going to pass out in the same way that the baby passes out. And then you have all of these, you know, thoughts about, Oh my God, when is the next feeding happening? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, now I'm on week six, week seven, week eight on top of a pregnancy on top of worry about going back to work. Right. So it all is, um, for many people and me personally was a very eye opening experience. Um, and the sleep thing was a big trigger. So, um, through my postpartum journey, I realized that I needed to get the baby sleeping. That was my big thing. Like I just was not functioning very well. Um, I was told by a couple of providers, you're probably experiencing postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And I was in a little bit of a denial about that and said, mm-hmm. no, I don't think so. You know, I think it's just hard. It's just supposed to be hard. Um, yeah. but what I started as I started unpacking that and really digging into mental health and wellness, I realized that I was experiencing that and the biggest trigger for all of those symptoms was not sleeping. So um, I was at the point with my oldest that she was, you know, we, she actually had stopped her night feedings and was just waking up because she was waking up and um, I was not sleeping at all. And I said, I have to get, I have to get her sleep in order. You know, I think that's going to be where I need to begin, like getting her sleep so that I feel confident that she's sleeping throughout the night. You know, I was looking at returning back to work at the time I was a special ed teacher and we decided to sleep train. My husband, interestingly enough, was really unsure of it. Not that he was against it. He was just, you know, I don't want her to cry. And I really, you know, whatever it is, what it is, babies wake up. And I said, well, for me, you know, if I'm going to be the person caring for her most of the time until we go, you know, I go back to work, this is what I need for me. Yeah. Um, well, and, and going back to like what you're saying with the sleep like a husband. I know this is, was in our case when baby was up crying and I, even though I helped as well, like I would get up and help soothe and I was up 
every single time she breastfed at night just to make sure mama was taken care of. But when it was time to go back to bed, I was out. Yeah. And and for Miranda, even to this day, still takes, could be up to an hour to get to sleep. Yeah. And by that time, you're already triggered to get up again. Mm-hmm. So to your point, it's like for your sanity, mm-hmm. this has to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It had to be fixed. Yeah. And so we did. So I sleep trained her and... Um, my sleep still was not in order. So then there was other pieces of the puzzle, right? Um, which, like, thank goodness to all of the people who do the work in the perinatal field um, just to help moms, you know, help moms out. So, you know, seeking out a really good psychiatrist to talk about medication and then seeking out a really good therapist, not only for me, but for myself and my husband to, you know, help us through that next phase of our life. It's huge. You know, you become two yeah. different people when baby comes involved. and. Sure you know, working on a meditation practice and all of that was so helpful. And what we came down to was, yes, in fact, sleep was a huge trigger for me. And that mm-hmm. was like me getting a good night's sleep and the baby getting a good night's sleep was essential for just to function basically. And then to start to build this new life that we created together in a new way as not husband and wife anymore, but as mom and dad um, with the baby in the picture. Right. Yeah. And then, Interestingly enough, he was the one who said, you should do this. You should, you're good at this and you're a teacher. You know, I've, I had, now I have had 15 years of classroom experience. So teaching is my jam and working with parents and working with kids is my passion. But he said, you should make a business out of this. You know, like you can help your parents. So he was skeptical at first and realized and ended up being my rock in all of it. Um, and helping me, you know, do this and helping other parents because so much of a relationship is strained already, you know, when baby comes into the picture. And then if you're strained and exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you guys yeah. know, like it's really yeah. hard to be patient with one another and to support mm-hmm. one another when you're running on four hours of broken sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've done studies of healthy adults where sleep studies where they interrupt their sleep on a regular basis and of all of those people whose sleep was interrupted most of them developed major depressive disorder so take away the child like sleep in itself is so important so vital well and vital for your organs too like heart and <laughs> oh, yeah. you know blood pressure and everything yes and you know a big part of i think uh, just parenting, I don't know if it's today in this day and age because I wasn't a parent back in the 80s, you know, but it's just this feeling of like, well, that's just, I signed up for this or like this, it's just hard and I have to do this and this, it is what it is. The baby wakes up and this is what my life is. And I just, for a period of time, yes, right? Like there is a period of time when they're newborns where it just is where it is, but that doesn't have to be. They're not newborns forever. Just like Mm -hmm. they're not three years old forever and they're not, right? So you don't, you can evolve your sleep and your development along with theirs. You don't have to be stuck in the newborn days rut. Yeah. That I always experience it as a rut. The newborn days is like not my favorite. <laughs> For that reason. Yeah. Um, you know, and you you don't have to accept that. You know, you can mm-hmm. use the research and your own body and really dig within and say like this is not I can't I can't show up as the parent that I want to show up as if I'm not sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so therefore the baby needs to sleep, you know, when yeah. 
when the clearance happens, when the doctor gives a go ahead, right? When you're comfortable and you're ready, it doesn't have to happen at six months. It can happen later on, but um, Mm -hmm. you also don't need to be stuck in that story. Yeah. So when you were stuck in that story in the beginning where there was, um, where it was tough and challenging, what, how long did that last for you and and your partner? And, and what were some of the things going on that you were, that you were having a hard time with? Good question. So I, I would say it lasted for about a solid eight or nine months. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't until again, so around four or five months is when my midwives were like, uh, this is, this is postpartum depression. You know, this is what you're experiencing. And here's a prescription for Zoloft. And I walked out of there like, I, I'm failing, you know, like how I'm failing wow. at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my husband and I were still arguing about, every, we weren't on the same page about a lot. And then through more conversations and more months, we sat down. Actually, my mom was like, you guys have to, like, you have to start to get back to each other. Um, I went back to work, which was very helpful for me to have something else that I left the house and was able to do outside of being in the home. It was part of my recovery. And then I started to see the light, like, okay, wait a second. You know, like I'm not so in it all the time. And I was a little more open and a little less resentful. There was a lot of resent that came in from like John being able to leave and get on a train and go to work and not have to worry about what I was worrying about every day. He was worrying about other things, but not what I was yeah. worrying about. So the resentment kind of started to fade. And then we started to have conversations with each other. And we were like, okay, I think meds are probably the best route for me. And once mm-hmm. I went on medication, that's when a lot of the world opened back up and that brain fog went away. And it was, you know, I was able to say, all right, we need to get back to us. You know, like it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same Sarah and John that we were mm-hmm. before the baby. Um, but we have to try and find a little piece of that and figure out the new us, you know, in this, this unit of three that we have now. So yeah, it was about eight months. And then we actually decided to stay. We just, we started couples therapy when she was a year old and then we stayed in couples therapy through, um, through about six months ago, just to help us out with the ups and the downs, right? Like marriage is not always happy and marriage and it's not always bad you know so it's just nice to have somebody there so I give him a lot of credit being my partner in that and then you know respecting my need for sleep even still even though my kids are four and seven now you know having that respect for that and knowing what I need and him you know things that I know he needs um in order to maintain you know a new again just like a new bond after children Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you work a lot with couples as well, or is it mostly, you know, one, one parent to, to the child for sleeping? Good question. So I would say most of the time the initial call is from mom, but mm-hmm. then the majority of that, um, dad always is involved. So most of the time the initial call is just like, I just want to see who I am as a sleep consultant, we meet each other, right? We do a little interviewing with each other to make sure it's a good fit. And then from there, dad is always in. So, you know, dad's always on the text messages that we have throughout our time together. Um, I would say the bulk of the sleep training is done by mom, but surprisingly, more and more kind of to Aaron's point, like dads are involved. Like there's proof that dads are just so much more involved in 
you know, the night feedings and the night wakings, dads are ready to jump on board and say, okay, if it's not a night feeding and then mom's going to be out of the picture and dad's going to do, you know, whatever he needs to do to help support the baby. So, um, I think it works really well when we're doing it as a team with all three of us with partners, um, than when it's just mom doing it by herself. Yeah. I have some couples where, you know, one, one of the partners works, typically this is the dad. Um, and so mom staying at home either on maternity leave or deciding to stay at home, um, to be a full-time parent. And there's a, a conversation that occurs of, well, I'm the one that's working. So I'm the one that needs the sleep. And this is, you know, you're, you're the stay at home. This is kind of your job. And so there's a lot of tension that can happen. I don't know if you come across that or if you have, <laughs> Thoughts around that? <laughs> do come across that. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And, you know, that's where sometimes it's just what I find. Obviously, I'm helping the baby sleep, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. – but I, I very rarely see the baby. <laughs> like, unless yeah. I'm doing an in-home, I don't meet the baby. You know, the baby's not on our Zoom calls. The baby's usually sure. sleeping while we're doing our Zoom calls. So – Um, a lot of it is, is just getting to know the families and understanding family dynamics and, you know, the different roles that everybody's playing within your, within your unit. And my response to that always, and it's, it's helpful to have a third party. And this is what our therapist did for us. Like she was that third party for us. So Mm -hmm. I can play not a therapist role. That is not what I'm licensed to do, Mm -hmm. but just having an outside perspective saying, yeah, so if mom's job, if we're going to put it as a job is Mm -hmm. taking care of the kids is the expectation that she does that 24 hours a day? And if so, is the expectation that dad works 24 hours a day too? You know, at yeah. what point are we taking, at what point is who is mom taking a break? And right. at what point was this a mutual decision to have kids together? Maybe without the, the realization that like, oh my God, it really is a 24 hour job. Yeah. <laughs> so I think sometimes just putting it very, like mm-hmm. an HR perspective, <laughs> like, yeah. from an HR perspective, or for, you, like, well, who's, like, where's mom's union? Like, mom's yeah. union says that she needs a 30-minute break, or, you know, like, uh, it's, right? And so yeah. that's yeah. when the dads are like, oh. Right. Okay. So, you know, the bulk of, of the sleep training or the bulk of the night feeding, especially through nursing, or the bulk of whatever may fall on mom, but... I think bringing light to the situation that like, yeah, dad may work. And a lot of dads are working way more than eight hours a day, right? We don't have those lives anymore. We're not seeing eight hour work days, but dad gets to stop at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, And mom's job never does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, bringing light to that and then just um, under, you know, having dads understand that if, if your wife is struggling and it's for her mental health, and mm-hmm. you want somebody who's healthy and feeling good about herself taking care of your kids, that's really important. You know, that's put on your oxygen mask first kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, to your point earlier, when you said you went and got a job afterwards, which helped, you know, that's, even though it's work, even though husband or, or whatever partner is working full time, it's still an escape. It's still- It's a break. It, it's a break. And yeah. it's also using like your, the, um, mental capacity and critical thinking and things other away from home so that when you do get home you are ready for bed as opposed to the in-home mom i love i wrote that down mom's union workers um you know having that 
as your all day, then at nighttime comes, it's like, well, what's next? Like, it, it's just more of the same, you know? So mm-hmm. that's, that's straining too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that being a really difficult part for for me of like, I'm losing my sense of self. You know, I, I had, I had my practice, but of course I was taking some time off and it was just, it felt so like, I almost have very little memories, you know, just cause it was so, it was so long. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I look back on pictures like, Oh, okay. That's, yeah. that's what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really yeah. is. It's hard. And it's, and even, you know, I, even the moms who I talk to who do choose to be a full-time parent, right, um, or stay in the home with their kids full-time, you know, they, they, a lot of the time it's like, well, this is always my dream, but I didn't think it was going to be like this. You know? Sure, yeah. This yeah. isn't what I thought that this was, it would mean. And, and you think about, like, you know, and they'll say, like, really, how stressful, like, you almost question yourself, you know, but is it that stressful? Like, all I'm doing is changing diapers and making bottles, and, like, it shouldn't be that hard. But for me personally, working in the classroom was a thousand times easier than staying mm. home with my kids all day. And that's yeah. not everybody's experience, but, mm. um, you know, for that that piece, like, knowing whether or not I was in the home or on summer, right? Like, I kind of worked. I was in both worlds. I was mm-hmm. a stay-at-home parent for three months in the summer, and then I was a working mom, right? Yeah. Um, and in both worlds, what I knew that I needed in order to do both jobs, which are hard in and of itself, was the sleep. <laughs> like, yeah. I, needed, I needed sleep to feel patient and to feel rested and not to feel, like, so on edge with everything um, and not so overwhelmed because the the housework and the kids and the bottles and the diapers and everything can be so overwhelming just yeah. as report cards and IEPs and parent teacher conferences can be overwhelming too. Sure. Yeah. You said in the beginning that your husband wasn't all on board at first. Can you tell us more about what was his reaction in the beginning? Was was he on that side of like, oh this isn't a big deal kind of deal with it kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, so he was he it's funny, and I experience this when I'm working with families, too. Everybody comes from, right, like you're two individuals that's, that have now come together as a marriage, and then you're two individuals in a marriage who now has created a child, right? And so much, you don't even talk about, you know, like what you're bringing into parenting. Like you may talk about what you're bringing into your marriage, but you don't talk about those questions about parenting. So culturally, my husband is from Peru, so in his culture, or I don't even know if it, I think it's culture because it was mostly his family or maybe just, just his family, um, values. Mm-hmm. His parents were like sleep training. Like what, what is that? Like he was like, I slept in bed with my parents until I was five or six, you know, like mm-hmm. there wasn't a bedtime. You know, I remember my mother-in-law joking and being like, yeah, we would have like dance parties in the living room with all of the aunts and uncles. And I'd put a pillow there under a speaker and he'd fall asleep. Um, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, and I was coming from a home, and of course, we all think that our way is the right way, right? Sure. So I was coming from a home where my mom was like, wait, like, you, the baby's going to sleep in your bedroom, like, for a little bit? Like, the baby's not going to go right in a crib in their in their nursery? And the baby needs to sleep on their back? Like, I always had you on your stomach, and I used to put a blow dryer underneath your crib to, like, create white noise. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Make oh my sure God. the cords are all nice and loose. <laughs> <laughs> like... There's sound machines for that now, thank God, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's 
like that was where we were coming from where we were it was just two two totally different perspectives and two totally different ways of being raised by wonderful parents my in-laws are wonderful and my parents are wonderful but then having then having to make a choice together about what you're going to do right so his thing was like well the baby can just sleep with us or like the baby just whatever it's not a big deal and honestly when we went into it i said you do have to go to work so i should be the one to get up in the middle of the night like that's just where my thought was Mm -hmm. So I don't think he was really experiencing the, what the sleep deprivation was like because I wasn't allowing him to, because I had this own, um, bar that I set for myself, you know, Mm -hmm. wanting to be the good stay at home parent, um, Mm -hmm. and allowing him to leave and feel well rested. So I think the resistance was cultural. I think it was, um, just upbringing. And then I think it was the resistance because he didn't understand how hard it was, you Mm -hmm. know? So yeah. when we had our second child, this is the interesting thing. And and to backtrack, he wasn't, wasn't that he was triggered by the crying. He just knew that that would be part of it. And that was, a, that was um, you know, anxiety inducing for him. Not that I wanted her to cry either, but I knew that the pain of the sleep deprivation was much greater than the short-term pain of the crying. And right. that's what put me over the edge. So I actually yeah. sent him to my in-laws. I was like, you got to go. Uh, I'll do mm-hmm. it. However long it takes, I'll be gentle. I'll be gradual, but you got to go because I need to yeah. do it. So then mm-hmm. when my second came around before the birth, our therapist and I, you know, we all worked together and we said, I'm not nursing. We will do formula so that you can do every other night. You know, like we're going to go bottles right away. Um, and like two months in, he was like, so when can we sleep train? Like when? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You know, and again, it's like he he experienced it. Like he was experiencing the pain of, and it was only every other night. So like, you know, condense, like every other night he got a good night's sleep, as did I. (laughs) Condense Mm -hmm. that every night, right? Yeah. So I think he came around to it and it was just, it was just a learning experience that helped him come to the other side. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, when it was not your night, you're like putting like hot sauce in the formula. Have fun. You know, what's interesting is that the, for our oldest, there was, she was, I'll never forget, she was 10 weeks old and we were getting her christened out of state. So my family lives about six hours away from us. And the night before I said, I cannot do this drive on like, you know, two hours of broken sleep, I have to take her. I pumped a bunch of bottles. I'm going to the basement, like we had a finished basement. I know I'm gonna, I'm sleeping there. I'm putting earplugs in, I'm putting sound machines on. I went down and I fell asleep and I woke up at 5 a.m. Like, okay, all right, we gotta go. So I ran upstairs, I said, okay, get, you know, in my tracker, how many ounces, you know, what hours did she wake? What do do I have to prep for the drive? He goes, what do you mean, how many ounces? And I said, well, like how how many feedings did you do last Mm -hmm. night? He goes, none. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, are you just like, you know, like I fed her at nine and then I put her down and she hasn't woken up. I was ready. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So so that was, you know, again, one of those stories where it's like I've been up like and even the one night that he took, he still mm-hmm. got eight hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. I hear that happens a lot. I mean, I feel like that happened with us a little bit. Yeah, but, a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, you got a lot of calorie to catch up on, you know, <laughs> for the for baby. Probably hungry as all could be that day. 
yes, yes. And he was so well, I mean, thank God we were all well rested, right? But silver lining. Yeah. Silver lining. Yeah. So no hot sauce in the bottles for him. <laughs> no, I really, because that probably would have taken like till the next night to go through her digestive system. Sure. So I sure. would have been paying for it yeah. anyway. <laughs> and just for the record, everybody, we have not done that. Please don't call CPS on us or. No, <laughs> just, just I'm her. just kidding. Because you want so badly. It sounds terrible, right? But you want so badly for them to feel that grind a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I was going to say, Sarah, you're so much kinder than I was in the beginning. Cause I was like, if I'm up, you're up. Right. Like I am, I had that resentment piece of if, if he was sleeping during a time that I was up, I was like almost seething, you know, just yes. like, Argh. and then the, when you wake up in the morning, you immediately have are upset at me. Right. I don't remember for that. sleeping. I was never upset with for, you. for for sleeping. Right. <laughs> it's like you wake up and, and you already you start the day with mm-hmm. an edge and you're mm-hmm. like, that's just not healthy. How many anyone. times did you wake up last yeah, night? It's like, yeah. Well, you know. or, I didn't hear the baby cry. What do you mean? The yeah. baby cried last night? Right. What? Yeah. 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 What? <laughs> yeah. That was really it's really hard. It creates, you know, again, and I know this is what I do you know, for a living. So I know my perspective is going to be very biased, but I really believe that sleep is the foundation for so oh much. Gosh. Absolutely. For so much. Yeah. Health-wise, parenting-wise, relationship-wise, right? Like mm-hmm. you just have more of an ability to... And and then, you know, think about a lot of parents come to me and they say too, like, okay, so yeah, it really, I'm exhausted, but it is what it is. And I, I can deal with little sleep, right? Like that's not the problem. What the problem for many people is I, it takes me an hour and a half to put the baby to sleep or I need to fall asleep with the baby. And then there's no couples time, right? So when you're going to bed at 7 PM and you can't come back downstairs because you're co-sleeping and you can't leave the baby because it wouldn't be safe or whatever, you know, whatever the situation is, that takes a toll on yourself where you're not yeah. able to spend even 30 minutes. Normally it's not any type of super quality time. You know, you're sitting on the couch zoning out on a TV show or, or both of you are scrolling on your phone independently. That's what I yeah. have to do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But at least it's a half hour where you're in each other's presence where it's not, there's not kids running around you, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a big piece too of the sleep. Um, that, you know, families come to me and say like, yeah, I want to work on the night sleep, but I just want to be able to touch base with my partner, mm-hmm. you know, at some yeah. point before, yeah. <laughs> like before we all have to go to bed. Right. And if you have that sleep or, or more of the sleep, then you're more apt to, um, have more touch or cuddle or like communication. You're not as like completely burnt out. Um, yeah, I was, I, I was going <laughs> to ask you about that for when you, we're having right in the beginning versus when you did have the sleep training, did that help as far as intimacy goes and like date nights and like how, how did that change and evolve? Yeah, for sure. Because I think it's to Miranda's point, like I wasn't so seethingly resentful about him. So, you know, when we would, first of all, we felt comfortable to be able to go out, right? Because the baby, it was so easy for anybody and it was always family, you know, to be able to come and do the bottles and do the bedtime, put the baby to sleep, um, and the baby would put herself to sleep. So we felt comfortable leaving. Like, we didn't need to be part of that, you know, hour of her day. Um, And then I was rested enough where I wasn't like, I need every second in my room for sleeping. Like, it didn't, you know, I wasn't counting the minutes and thinking like, well, if there's any type of time, either date night intimacy or anything, 
that it's mm -hmm. taking away from yeah. the very limited amount of sleep that I'm already getting, right? Yeah. Like that's how, especially if like I'm very type A, I was always a baby tracker person. And especially if I'd look at the baby tracker and be like, I can only log six hours and 24 minutes of sleep tonight. And if I give you 24 of those minutes, that means I'm only getting six, you know, like that would drive mm -hmm. me crazy. And he is the opposite personality, which is why we work well together. But he was like, well, I don't like, let's, it'll make us feel better. Let's go with the flow. And mm -hmm. it's so hard for a type A person to go with the flow when you're exhausted. Like it's just too much of brain work to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it definitely improved and, um, you know, still waxes and wanes depending on sleep <laughs> mm -hmm. and depending on kids and depending on seasons and illness and all of that stuff that, you know, we all go through, but it makes it so much mm -hmm. more um, bearable. Yeah. yeah. I feel like school age, that's what I tell my families when we're done with our time together. I'll say, they're like, so is this forever? <laughs> you know, like, do I, okay, no. so they're sleeping and I'm happy, but like, is this forever? Mm -hmm. Or like, are they really going to wake up at 6.30? Like, can I switch that to 9? You know, and mm -hmm. I always say, no, like, pretty much that's developmentally where they're at. It is yeah. not forever, but it is until school age. That's when I feel like the sleep kind of transitions and the cycles transition to a little bit later. And they're just independent where you can say, yeah. go get yourself a bowl of cereal and I'll be out, yeah. I turn on the yeah. TV, right? Yeah. 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 So nice. it comes, but it's, you know, it's a long time while you're in it until you get to that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's the different phases too, because even when they're like three or four and they're mobile, then it's then it's sometimes it was every single night you'd be startled awake with them like looming <laughs> over you, you know. It's just like, ugh. and and so let's talk about that as a disruption too. And yeah. we, we even talked about that where it took Miranda forever to fall back asleep. So it was like, who's gonna get up with the with the kiddo when they have a bad dream and they're standing over you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So I have a very recent story about this. So. I, there was this week, my oldest, who is seven, so not, you know, again, very self-sufficient, doesn't need me in the middle of the night for a bathroom, can like figure it out for the most part. It was a night, I don't remember what day, my husband ended up passing out on the couch, I fell asleep in our bed, and no, reverse that. He fell asleep in the bed and I was on the couch and she came mm -hmm. into our bedroom looking for us and she couldn't, she was looking for me. So right. in the next morning, she woke up and she goes, Mommy, where were you last night? And I said, I thought I ended up falling asleep on the couch. But, you know, was everything okay? She goes, well, I came looking for you because I couldn't breathe out of my nose. You know, my nose was clogged. <laughs> I said, okay, did you get a tissue? I did, but I, you know, but I couldn't find you. And I said, well, did you go? But da Daddy's in the room. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Daddy was in our room. And uh -huh. she goes, yeah, but he was sleeping. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I said, Okay, so what did you think I was doing in the middle of the night? Like waiting to blow your nose? Or yeah. she goes, Yeah, but I I tried to tap him a little bit and he wasn't moving. So I knew that I couldn't wake him up. Like I needed you. Oh my goodness. So oh my even, you yeah. know, and I don't want to make her feel guilty about that. And truthfully yeah. sure. even to this day, like again, both of my parents are wonderful. I definitely still call my mom when I need something, you know, like I'm not <laughs> Putting my dad's not the first person I would think to call it would be my mom. So I understand that from like just a developmental standpoint. Right. But, mm -hmm. but yeah. that like, you know, this the middle of the night, like 
who's going to be up and then who has to, it's not even like, okay, so now I'm going to be up and I would have done nose spray and I would have done Vicks and I would have, you know, I would have done all the things. And then all of that would have had me reeling. And then I'd have to go back and find my way to my bed and then get comfortable and then do all of my things. And then, you know, he would be able to get up and do a pump of the nasal spray and he would have been back to sleep. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no, and I don't know what that's about. If it's just about, I know. Right. What is that? What is that in your head? Yeah. (laughs) I know the hamster wheel is so real. It's just constant, (laughs) constantly thinking about like, I'll, you know, side note yesterday we were sitting on our balcony and he was kind of looking, I was like, what are you thinking about? And he's like, nothing. I'm like, how can you not be thinking about something? <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there there are thoughts, but those thoughts also put myself into a rhythm. Like they don't keep me awake. They are, it's a rhythm of thoughts that falls into sleep. Like it's not it's not a reel that keeps going that I can't stop watching. Mm. Does that make sense? Makes well, that sense. must be so nice. It's you. very lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying there aren't nights that I'm up because of reasons, but in the most part, yeah, I mean, it's just different wiring, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it is. It's the mom, like the mom worry. Or then you start to think like, oh my God, like my thing goes to now, which I'm sure so many parents experience this, like, oh my God, is she going to wake up with a fever? If she has a fever, she can't go to school. If she has a fever, it might be COVID. What about if it's five days out of school? How am I going to find childcare? How am I going to do it? You know, like, then you start to go, like, yeah. no. You're like, who was the last person she was in contact with? I'm going to have to call all of them. Like, <laughs> yes. yes, yes, exactly. And then, oh, she's going to give it to the four-year-old. And the four-year-old is a hot mess when she's sick in the middle of the night. And I can't deal with that. And I've already, right? And yeah. I've already spent, you know, one night on the couch that I didn't mean to, so... <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. for that's, me, that's that's tomorrow Aaron's problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you ever work with couples who have colicky babies? Oh, that's a good question. So I do have a newborn package. So I will work with babies from about eight weeks to 16 weeks and mm-hmm. not on sleep training because you can't sleep train that young. It really just is like educating on what sleep eventually like what it what it should look like how to do certain things to kind of improve it um practicing independent sleep habits without the expectation that we're doing it more than once a day you know i mean very very gentle and i have worked with babies who definitely present as colic Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's because they're so overtired Oh, yeah. So when we're overtired and not sleeping well, what happens physiologically in our systems is that we have a rise in cortisol and adrenaline. So when we are beyond the point of well-rested, right, and when we don't, especially in the newborn phase when they need to sleep all of the time frequently, when we're not, when the child's not able to get into sleep all the time and frequently, they're going to have an excess of the stress you know, hormone. And at the younger they are, the harder it is for their body to process that and to be able to get back into rest and digest and to take advantage of melatonin and the sleeping hormone. Right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the colic can be because, you know, and I was this mom, like, why are they sleeping every hour? Like they should be awake, like keep the baby awake for four hours. So they sleep Uh, longer, which actually is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. We were guilty of that with our first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? You just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then sometimes when we do put all of the behavioral pieces in place, when we're still seeing the colic, that's when I say, okay, we need to pause. We need to get, you know, if you're nursing, we got to get either lactation in, we got to assess for tongue tie, lip tie. Um, you know, even if parents are open to alternative um, therapies such as like um, chiropractic, right, mm-hmm. craniosacral, like any yeah. of those things to help with body work mm-hmm. because even if we can offer sleep, if, we're, if we can't suck efficiently and, you know, the suck isn't happening, because, which is activating the vagus nerve, which calms down the system, right, like all of those things that babies are so sensitive to, that's when it's like okay we got to get other people involved just besides Mm -hmm. sleep so I think it's helpful for parents that they have there's our village now isn't necessarily the people who are your family or friends who you live with the village now is so much like the experts that you bring in to help Mm -hmm. with babies Um, and it's good as a provider to have you know, like, I'm so thankful for all of the people who I know who I can refer out to say, like, I think that, I think this is going to be someplace where you need to take over, and then we can come back to the sleep um, when we figure out what other issues may be going on. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. First-time parents, like, you don't know, you know, you, there's, right. you don't know, what, like, did you know, did you ever hear of a lip, t- I never heard of a lip tie or a tongue tie before my oldest was born, mm-hmm. you know, like, what is... I thought baby yeah. was just eight, you know? Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I assumed, like, you just stick the baby to the breast and it works out. I, I had a tongue tie when I was little, so I was aware of it. Okay. Um, and our first daughter, when she was born, they immediately saw it because it was so tight that her tongue couldn't go past her gum line. Wow. And so, thankfully, because they, they noticed it, we were able to get services right away. But, I mean, those first, it took five weeks for her to officially be able to latch sufficiently and mm-hmm. and feed and so those nights were the newborn stage when she'd wake up I would pump and he would take that and and bottle feed her and so I had resentment there of like yeah. I don't get to feed my own baby because I'm having to pump and using this milk for the next feeding later and um but yeah yeah you're tired. right you're right though it is it is the village that mm-hmm. you choose to surround yourselves with for support luckily we had a great pediatrician and yeah. we live in a great area where we had this groundbreaking doctor that did this new laser technology thing. Yeah. And so, like, we had those connections and we needed to use them with our second one, too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And oftentimes, right, like the what you used for your first mm-hmm. doesn't always work with your second. Right. We right. so believe that every child learns differently and every parent teaches differently and that we really need to modify and individualize when I'm working with families. But I take that not only from my classroom practice, but also from the fact that the way I sleep trained my oldest was completely different than the way I had to sleep train my youngest. And I went into it thinking, like, I've got this. Like, I can mm-hmm. do It's just going to be the same. You know, it's going to be X nights and I'm going to do this method. And my youngest was like, ah, no, <laughs> no, I don't want to do it that way. And that was mind blowing for me. And like my, the first lesson and the first insight into, oh my God, they're two totally different kids and they came from Mm -hmm. the same parents in the same womb. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to have to parent them differently. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so much of that, like I actually will get, I would say about 50% of the people I work with, it's actually for a second or a third child. 
Oh, okay. It's not just for first-time parents who are looking for help and, you know, struggling with sleep. A lot of the times it's like, I used a method for my first and it worked, it's not working with my second, or I had this unicorn first baby who slept through the night on day one, and mm -hmm. what is this? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is this now? <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Um, as we're wrapping things up, do you have any advice that you would give parents struggling with with sleep, with either themselves or baby, to to help their relationship? Yeah, those those couples that are like desperate or nothing's gonna help or, yeah. you know, yeah, any piece of wisdom. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I think my biggest piece of wisdom and my biggest takeaway is just remember, your baby is brilliant. Your baby mm. is brilliant, and your baby can be taught anything very quickly. So whether it's, if you're really struggling with the sleep and really if it's in the newborn phase, hang in there, you know, like mm -hmm. there is new no, normal newborn sleep and it's a period of time that's, I don't know, a rite of passage yeah. <laughs> that yeah. we all have to walk through. But if it's beyond four to six months and you're really still struggling, seek out help, start doing research together and be confident that your baby is going to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And I would not seek out help, even though I am active on social media, like I would not seek out help from social media. I would not seek out help from Google, like get somebody, you know, talk to your pediatrician, hey, we're struggling and I'd really like to know if you know any sleep consultants that you would recommend in the area or talk to other moms, right? Like. Yeah. Is there somebody who you recommend? Get on the phone with somebody. Start following them and their blog um, mm -hmm. because there's so much information um, mm -hmm. that we, are, when we're sleep deprived, it's hard to sort through what's going to work for you and for your family yeah. and it's going to align with your values. So, um, you know, it's easier to not let guilt and um, desperation come into play when you're seeking out a trusted source who does this to help people, right? Yeah. But at I the end see. of the day, your baby's brilliant. Your baby yeah. will learn whether they're six months old or six years old. If you want to change your sleep situation, it is never too late. And mm -hmm. they will pick it up much quicker than you think they will. And yeah. what we, all of us have like 15 minute discovery calls, right? So find a couple that you've been referred to, who people have worked with, who have had positive experiences, get on the phone with two or three of them talk with your partner about who really felt like a good fit because at the end of the day, there are a ton of different methods. There are, right? Like there's all these different things that are from the book or that we're, you know, that or from the school that we've been trained in or whatever, but mm -hmm. you're going to be working with this person for yeah. probably two full weeks. You know, for the most part, yeah. you're going to be talking to them every day. So you want to make sure that it's a good fit for your family and that their philosophies align with your philosophy and, you know, you would interview, uh, you know, I know like we interview pediatricians, like we're getting second opinions if there's big things in our kids that we need to, you know, solve. So get a couple opinions and really see which person you want to work with. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast episode. We hope you enjoyed it. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Before we go, we want to take a minute to express our deep gratitude to all our incredible guests and listeners. Thank you for being a part of our podcast family and sharing your stories with us. You are truly the heartbeat of Love After Lullabies. 
If you found value in today's episode, please consider supporting us by subscribing to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. And if you're loving what you're hearing, please leave us a review. Your reviews are like love notes to our podcasting hearts. All of our guests are here voluntarily and not current or former clients of mine. If you'd like to be a guest, we'd love to have you. Reach out via email at loveafterlullabies at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram, handle loveafterlullabies. While you're there, go ahead and click that follow button so you can get all the latest updates and behind the scenes content. See you next time. So she got burgers and three ears.